too many times our industry is like a skydive. You have a great time. You take lots of photos. You really, really enjoy it. You remember where you went, but you never remember the company that you did the skydive with. And it's our responsibility as hosts and industry professionals to try and build that brand awareness. And, and we're very, very aware of that. Super. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from $2.25 to $5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. All right. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother. Good to see you. I I mean, we're recording episodes on the same day, so I'm still in Aspen. Went to a couple Airbnbs on my way to Aspen, right? So I had to stop in a couple places. And it's always so funny to me to go into an Airbnb and how many things hosts are just being kind of cheap and stupid on that they're such a low hanging, low hanging fruit. And I'll give you a quick example of that, right? This Airbnb slept 12 people and on the main floor, the couch situation could fit maybe five people. Yeah. And you're just like, guys, come on. Like, why are you like this? Yeah. Like, what's, go what's going on? You know? And it just, Again, it's it's and then you come to a to a hotel and you have some of the other amenities, but these people don't give you any water and then I'm paying twelve dollars for a bottle of water. And so there's this this reality that we live in that we have so much opportunity as Airbnb hosts to really elevate the experience, but most hosts don't go through the trouble of really like putting themselves in the shoe of their guests. Like why would you have a house that sleeps twelve people and the couch is for is for five people? What is the logic there? Like walk me, through, walk me through what you're thinking. That's why you know? like, I encourage everybody to stay at your properties and then you experience it as a guest, you know, mm -hmm. especially before you launch it publicly. And then ideally, you know, once a year, ideally more than that, if you can, but you know, simple, small thing, right? One of our bathrooms at that big house in Florida, it kind of caters to two potentially three different bedrooms like it's off of a hallway so multiple people could use that bathroom and i was like there's only one towel hook in here that's kind of weird right uh -huh. and i wouldn't have noticed that if i didn't end up sharing that bathroom with somebody else at the house uh -huh. so now we have like three different sets of towel hooks in that bathroom that right? yeah. little things like that that it's like 
huh people are like wow yeah. he really thought of it i'm like yeah yeah I'm we got out like hanging from the door and, and that's that's all the things you know what i mean or like the little plug by the bedside table and this guy had a plug the tv wasn't mounted so there was a plug by the top but then the bed was against the wall and there was nowhere for you to put your phone on and it's just there are things that are not a problem but there are things that are gonna guarantee you either a no review or definitely not a five-star review. And there's such a low hanging things that you just like, just put some thought into it. Like, why would you have a thing for the plug for the TV and not have a TV when a TV is like, what, $150? Like, yeah. come on now. Like, you know, come on now. Anyways, that that's all for my rant. Yeah. I mean, we you talked know? a lot about it in Nashville, right? At the STR Wealth Conference about- Kristen killed it. Exactly. Yeah, she crossed it for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of people talked about like saturation and things like that. And like we've been saying for years, it's like, yes, there are more people in here because it's a lucrative industry. Mm -hmm. It just means that the the standards have been raised. Right? We've been saying that for a long time of like you just slapping together a listing, you know, at an OK property is not going to cut it. Even a good property is not going to cut it. Like you have to do all these other little things. And I said it on stage. I was like, I, I think the the biggest risk we have as an industry is an inconsistency in experience. Like if you go stay at a, a Marriott, you know what you're going to get. You go stay at a Best Western, you know what you're going to get. Like you book somebody short-term rental on Airbnb, Verbo, their own site. You don't really know. Like there's no consistency in there. And that's a, that's a red flag and it turns a lot of people off. So really trying to dial in the, um, the experience and just think through all those things. But rant over. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm officially done. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for uh, for today's episode because we've got a special guest coming in all the way from across the pond over in the UK. So today we've got Leo from Superhog on the show, and he became a part of the founding team at Superhog back in 2019 after having spent seven years running the supply function at One Fine Stay. These experiences have given him a deep understanding of and a passion for the STR industry. And in his role, he works closely with the operators and hosts, helping them to unlock growth and streamline operations by using Superhog, which combines guest screening with damage waivers and embedded insurance, part-time runner, full-time dad, and man, all oh, Manchester United. He used some abbreviations that I wasn't... Uh, Fully man aware you, of man, yeah. man, you, man, 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 Manchester United <laughs> fan, Leo. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for being Hello. here. Thank you for having me. Hello, chaps. How are we? Yeah. Uh, it's Leo Walton, by the way. I just realized I never even said your last name. So glad that you are on here with us. And, uh, you know, we just read the bio and all that good stuff. But I want to hear, you know, obviously you guys have a very cool product. But I want to hear, like, what got you into the short-term rental industry? And then how did you end up at Superhog? And then we'll talk about what Superhog does. Yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, fabulous to be here. Um, delighted that my Man United supporting got so much airtime as well. Hope there's some fellow Man United fans out there uh, in the audience. I, I couldn't believe it. I was thinking about it today. It's been 12 years since I started in the industry, which I, which I think is probably, yeah, probably quite similar for you guys. And it, it made me realize how far we've come as an industry. It's, it's quite, a, quite, a long, quite a long time now we've all been plugging away and doing this. I got into it for very random reasons, which was when I was at university, uh, a lecturer, a very good lecturer said to me, uh, said to all of us that 80% of you in this room will work for a company that doesn't exist today at some point in your career. And I was at that point of thinking, do I need to start applying for grad schemes? Should I go down the corporate route? And that really just stayed with me. The idea that you could, you know, go and get a job for a company that, that was starting out and doing something new. And that's what led me into 
to joining the 158 team. And, and you know, you'll know bits and bobs about that business, but what they were trying to do was urban home sharing. So focusing on having um, a lot of units in a major city, the biggest cities at the time that were growing were London, New York, LA. So I joined, I was employee number 40 as a graduate and rode that wave and helped grow the supply acquisition function across Europe for the next seven years. And, you know, when I left, I think there was probably about 850 employees or something like that. So we got a kind of first hand look at, at what people's concerns and fears and anxieties were around home sharing. And, you know, went from basically door to door around London, trying to flog our product to, to running a team uh, across Europe. So very big eye-opening experience. I had a high-vis jacket that I'd cycle around wearing and uh, a full head of hair. And um, now I have neither of those things, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. So walk us through a little bit more about what their business model was and what your role was there. Because I assume you went door to door to talk to the owners about, about what? What was your pitch? Yeah, so you still remember. I'm sure you I I could probably still do it actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's actually that's actually where I met Humphrey, who's one of my co-founders. We we met doing that job and we we both had a real passion for sales and we were we were young men at the time, so we uh, you know, we kind of carved up the accounts between us and made sure we didn't have to hire anybody else in. So we got to uh, share the spoils and we were mostly inbound leads in, in truth. People would inquire about having their property listed on one fine stay. And this would be middle to upper to upper tier properties. So we're talking, I don't know how well you guys know London, but we're talking South Kensington, Mayfair, Marleybone, z- zone one. And you know, mm-hmm. homes that wouldn't really be worth less than 1.2, 1.3 million pounds. That's probably one and a half million dollars, 1.5 million dollars. And they'd just be nervous about the idea of handing over their keys to total strangers, but they wouldn't want to have any involvement in the process. So we're not dealing with hosts that are hands-on. We're dealing with people who want to, the management taken out of their hands and they would never dream of telling people that their, you know, their homes for rent. It was, it was very much like, well, we're only doing this because it's a bit of part-time pocket money. So they weren't necessarily occupancy concerned. They were about getting the right booking at the right price but they knew that they had assets that were worth sweating and everybody wants to sweat their assets. So this was a really good way of doing it because One Fine Stay had a very high touch, full service offering. But what I didn't realize, and this is the beautiful thing about life, hey, is that you carve these directions and it squiggles, squiggles along. But what I was getting was I was getting firsthand market research for what my next project was going to be. It was like just what stops people wanting to give over the keys to their house and how can we create products that will make them feel comfortable doing that? And around 2012, when I started doing it, insurance companies hadn't caught up. They just put an exclusion on short-term rental, didn't understand that you might be able to use your property yourself and then rent it out. It was a pain to try and get anything like that. And, and ID verification and all that sort of stuff hadn't been built yet. So again, I didn't realize at the time, but as I was sort of massaging people through the process and getting them to give them the key, me the keys to their house, I was also learning what was, what was, what was going to be important next. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What's well, so, interesting I, real quick before he yeah. asks this question, the term home sharing, right? Like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And like now most people don't even associate that where it's like been so commercialized as like an investment vehicle but that's like what this thing was for a long time was just like oh you had a vacation house that you were going to rent out when you weren't there so you were sharing your home with somebody right so yeah i think it's important to remember those roots of like why this industry was so attractive to travelers it was like you were staying in a home like it felt like a home it wasn't just whipped up cheap with some ikea furniture this was somebody's home that you know 
put love into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Actually, I remember my very first experience in a, in a home sharing was in the UK. I was eight or nine at the time, and my family went and we rented a little little cottage. And they had like tea and crumpets and, and all the good stuff. <laughs> and, it, and it's fun that like this is what I do for a living now. But before we go into your new journey, I think it will be super valuable and it will be kind of wrong for us not to ask this question after all the experience you had as to what you saw were some of the biggest hurdles in convincing homeowners to give you the keys to their property. Because I think we have a fair share of people that are in the co-hosting space, we have a first year of people that are in the arbitrage space, they listen to our show. And again, I, I would feel silly to not ask you after everything that you've been through. Your top, you know, like five or five things that you're like, this is what they would tell me and this is how I will respond to it. Yeah, sure. And I was thinking that actually, there's, there's a couple of models, aren't there, where this, if you're co-hosting or managing or, or doing the arbitrage model, you do have a you have a client, don't you, at the end of that, who you have to impress and make sure that you you pitch to successfully. And I imagine a lot of the anxieties are the same. People would think predominantly that if someone was coming in for a short amount of time, they would have less respect for the property. So that was sort of that was sort of number one. So people would be concerned about what type of person wants to rent a three million pound home for five days. Well, probably someone that can't afford to buy one. And I guess a lot of what we were trying to do was explain that actually the short-term rental vacation rental world is a marketplace. And there's people who do also live in 5 million pound houses that can come and stay and afford to be in your space. And the best way to ensure you get the right people coming in is that you stage the house in the correct way. So, you know, if you don't want parties, then don't have a hot tub and don't charge a hundred dollars a night for something that really should be, you know, $800 a night and, and a family coming to it. So it was more about the education piece around that. Second, the mm-hmm. second point probably is what would happen if something went wrong, mm-hmm. either accidentally or deliberately. So, you know, what if they fell over, injured themselves or, or mm-hmm. broke something in your property? And that's clearly where my brain started to, to, to think about insurance and, and those types of things. So that, that, that was always one of the early conversations. Interestingly, and this is very specific to One Fine Steady, I saw this change, but people also wanted to feel like their property was being viewed by on an exclusive platform. So they, uh, they didn't want it to be mass market. And so they would often say, oh, I don't want you to list on Airbnb or Verbo or Booking.com, which would be really interesting because one friend's day was an operator, remember, as well. So they were doing towels, linens, you know, the odd hotel, I think, was one of the taglines, you know, but it was tech enabled, definitely service delivery. So you'd have to kind of explain that, again, a platform isn't really the problem. It's about how you vet guests and, and, and set up your profile on that platform. You know, Airbnb is not the problem. Booking.com is not the problem. It's how you use those platforms. So that was certainly one. And then how well would their home be looked after? People wanted to know what you would be doing to clean it, to regularly check it, what your out-of-hours policy was, what your maintenance policy was, because we all know that a leak can become a flood very quickly. So how quickly can you answer queries? So what was the in-stay offering that we had to be able to back it up? And I would imagine you chaps will tell me if this is the case, that that, that still probably resonates okay. now when you're pitching, you're pitching your house. Literally everything you said so far, I can see people having the same conversation right now. And yeah. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that you just said. It's just like the platform is not a problem. It's how you set it up. Yeah. Which is the thing that the thing, my answer to people, when people ask me, what's the best property management software? It don't matter. It's whatever, it's whichever one you use, you like, and it's properly set up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like most of the things don't matter. It just matters how you do them, but it doesn't matter if it's blue or red or pink. 
it just yeah. matters how you do yeah. it. So you did all of this, and then I can already see some some of the linking of to like where your ideas for insurance came from. So walk us through what that looked like with your partner and everything else. Yeah. So um, uh, one of my co-founders, Humphrey, he he moved over first to start the insurance arm of the business, which at the time was called, still is Garlock Insurance, which is a home insurance provider as well. There's all types of things around protecting properties for people 24 seven, whether they've got a guest or not. I joined though later 2019, when we were sending about building Cyberhog, which is the, the, the software, you know, the guest screaming, the financial remittance, the, the whole, the whole package. And yes, I, I listened to a lot of conversations. I listened to a lot of hosts. I did a lot of market research beforehand. So you could say that we were very clever to come up with the idea, or we probably could have come up with it five years earlier. Perhaps we were slow. Perhaps it took as many conversations to work out that, that, that this was an area of opportunity, but it is at the core of, of how we think about the industry, that, that experience, because we exist, Superhawk exists, to allow hosts and guests to confidently transact with one another in the short-term rental industry. And ultimately, 99.9% of guests are good guests. So it's making sure that you're screening them to find that, you know, that small, small percentage of people that will use fraudulent information, so fraudulent emails, phone numbers that aren't registered to them, that are burner phones, IP addresses that are somewhere they're not supposed to be, all of those types of things. We also can check things like the sex offender register, you know, all of that sort of stuff that we can do. That is the, that is the absolute minority of people that come out in that screening. But what you're doing by using screening is you're nodding to the fact that you're taking this experience seriously, which works when you're talking to your host, your landlord, and actually your guest, because no guest will start a screening process. They think they're going to fail. So what will happen is they'll just go and book somewhere else that is using less technology and doesn't have a property that doesn't have a risk management strategy behind it. And it's not about, you know, using a hammer to crack a nut. It's about knowing your properties, being professional, and then putting a risk management strategy in place that works for it. Now, for most people that will involve screening because chargebacks are always a risk. Criminal bookings are always a risk. Party bookings are always a risk. But it might not necessarily mean using something like Superhawk protection with its 5 million guarantee because you might have your own protection. But you know, again, you know your properties, you know your market. If you've got a lot of party bookings, but you're okay with that, you probably want to be taking a big security deposit so you can make sure that you have a way of capturing some funds if things get damaged or using our damage waiver products. So you're collecting funds every single booking to make sure that when damages do occur, then you have a mechanism for paying for them. So again, at our core, we're here to advise, consult, find out what our clients need, and hopefully, wherever possible, be a cash machine for our clients, as in create new ways for them to make revenue, either by paying them out for damage waivers, or more importantly, which is the real mission, is taking that information that they've given you, so the real email they give you, the real phone number, the real home address, and putting that into your database and building your business. Mm. Because you're... Your email list is, is what's going to make sure that you get a higher level of return customer and your dependence on the OTAs is, is reduced. Mm. That's very interesting. So you are using your need to protect or your desire to protect your unit. Also, the reverse of that coin is the fact that you are growing a list that you can then remarket to as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, so our checks are called know your guest checks, you know, primarily because... You want to make sure they're a good person, but also you, know, you also want to get that and get to know them better. So I know hosts that send a letter 
after the guest has been to stay or a postcard to say, thanks, that was an amazing booking. Really great seeing you. Let's see you again sometime. They only can do that because they've managed to get more data, which is the home address. Really useful. You know, you don't have to, you, you do nothing with it. We're doing checks on that home address to make sure it's genuine. But really, they've taken that and thought, well, great. I can, I can make a really personal thank you card to everyone who comes. Same thing with email. I can do a, a Thanksgiving email, a Christmas email. Hey, come, come and see me again. You know, or you can choose to leave it on the dashboard and do nothing with it. But it's that idea that you're, by getting to know your guests, you can reach out to them beforehand, try and work out why they're here, suggest that excursions, restaurants, you know, all, all that sort of handheld hospitality stuff. We hopefully help enable that. And when someone goes through our software, they don't go through it and see Superhog anywhere. They go through it, but we use the property manager or host logo. So that goes right at the top and the center. So it helps build that bond with your guests that they're, stay they're staying with you. So if your company is, I don't know, ABC Villas in Florida, they see ABC Villas and it starts that brand awareness and starts the idea that they're in your check-in process and, and you know, helps build that, build that bond. Because too often, and I have, I've said this a few times, so apologies if you heard me say it before, but too many times our industry is like a skydive. You have a great time, you take lots of photos, you really, really enjoy it. You remember where you went, but you never remember the company that you did the skydive with. And it's our responsibility as hosts and industry professionals to try and build that brand awareness. And, and we're very, very aware of that. Super. That's very interesting. I never thought of it that way, right? Like, yeah, never heard that saying either. Mm, no, I like mm. that. I like that a lot. And while you were talking, I was just curious. I was going in into my PMS and I was like, how many people did we actually host, right? So last year we had... 10,016 guests across our portfolio. And like you said, I think a lot of people, their biggest fear is the damages of the fraudulent bookings. We've had probably less, legitimately less than like 10 issues with 10,000 guests. So it's like 0.0025% of the amount of guests. But that being said, it's still an issue, right? Like it, it's still a pain in the ass when it happens. The majority of people are great. Yeah. I will also say, that I processed close to $30,000 in reimbursements through insurance this year. Not through like the homeowners, but through a policy like Superhawk, right? Because damages happen and quite frankly, a lot of the time it's not malicious. I find when people go on vacation, they just turn their brain off. Like it is what it is. Like most of the time they're not trying to be malicious, but stuff happens. And so when you have that extra layer of protection, in my opinion, it's a better guest experience because then I'm not going back to them to charge them most of the time. I'll just put it through this platform and get it covered for like the major things, right? And it, rather than go back to them for like all these things, it just, it kind of taints the experience a bit. Unless I feel it's malicious, then I'm going after them regardless. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's such a small, small percentage. And I'm, I'm curious, and we don't need to go super deep under the hood, but from a high level, how does the whole verification process work? Like what are the different, like you mentioned a few different data points, but I'm always fascinated by this of how, how this works. Because the, the worst situation I've shared, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, the worst situation I've ever had in this business was I had a, a booking during COVID at one of our a newer property that we had launched. <laughs> like the guest was awesome. Like during the communication, they submit everything, had a bunch of five-star reviews on Airbnb. I'm like, this is going to be a great booking. They posed as a, um, a doctor working in Boston and they had a right. profile, everything. Long story short, 
they must have used this person's profile to make the booking and they were literally running a prostitution ring through this property for a couple of days until my we started noticing like why are there so many people going in and out of this place on the cameras like this is COVID. the world is shut down like nobody should be going in and out of this place never mind like every 20 minutes yeah. and so <laughs> it was just weird right and so i, yeah. I it really bothered me because I'm like, dude, I'm like teaching this stuff and I just got taken. Like somebody pulled this on me and it was serious. You know, the police were involved. It was like this huge prostitution ring and human trafficking ring that out of New York that was like, you know, whatever. I gave them all the footage, but I'm curious again, getting back to my question of how does the whole verification process work? Yeah, it's, um, it's so common, especially in big cities, right? So where people feel completely free and safe to to walk to, to lord it in a neighborhood because they know no one knows who anybody is and it's very common it's a big city phenomenon really but it really does happen everywhere i was out with somebody just two nights ago talking about uh, a smaller city called brighton near the uk and, and they have a similar problem there it's a coastal town and it has a lot of that that prostitution sort of problem the first thing to say without going sort of too much into the details i know obviously i could talk all day on this subject but what it will do, it will definitely act as a deterrent if you make your guests aware that they will go through your screening process when they book. Mm -hmm. So if you put that on your listing and on your emails, that's a big deterrent. So that will probably encourage 99% of people who are doing something sinister to go and book elsewhere. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we have a Superhog is built. We have our internal database, which tells us of bookings that we've experienced around the world. If someone is using details that have been used for something fraudulent or a party or prostitution or, or, or malicious damage. So we have our own database that we can we can read when someone puts their details in. We also have external databases that we've done API integrations with that tell us if somebody is using false information from somewhere else. So there's lots of forums and places around the internet where people go to get a name, um, a, a, an email address, and a phone number that match one another. But obviously, our system can read whether they're typically from the forum. We can also read whether that email address is registered to them, whether you can send it an email, whether it has social media attached to it, whether that social media is in the name of the guest who's booked. Is the phone number linked to all of those things, the email and the social media? Is the phone number a burner phone or is there a contract phone in their name? Mm. And where their IP address is? And does the home address correlate to all of the information they've given? then you're able to pull out, are there any anomalies here? So is it a burner phone? Is the IP address somewhere strange? Actually, the email doesn't have any social media attached to it. Okay, interesting. Because if you're just going on an OTA, a platform, people just can use a fake name and that's the end of it. Whereas actually we'll be able to tell whether Joe Bloggs is Joe Bloggs based on that information. And then also a step that you can include, which I'd recommend in big cities, for non-OTA bookings where you don't have any guest verification of, of selfie and passport is I do that element too. So then we can read the validity of somebody's driving license or passport and then match it against the selfie to ensure that Joe Bloggs is Joe Bloggs. So if they start to use fake information at one of those points, you're going to start to, to, to pull them up over it. And then back to the damage waiver, the final piece, if you've got high, high risk guests is use our damage waiver product, because then we'll run their credit card details. The credit card details there, again, have to match, and they have to be using a real credit card to be able to pay that waiver fee to you as a, a property manager. That's quite intricate, and that's like the how it works on your side. What does the guest see? So like if you book through an OTA, or if you book through a direct booking, so how does that work? So if you have, and I know Mark Simpson is going to hate this, but I know a lot of our listeners are just on, on OTAs, right? 
I know, Mark, you're working on it. You're you're doing <laughs> you're doing God's work and we appreciate you. But so how does this integrate with, for example, like Airbnb? And do you then help give hosts evidence of being like, look, Airbnb, this guy is bad. We have to cancel this reservation. You can penalize me because their API is or their whatever is here and this is here instead. Their IP address is over here. So what what does that look like? Yeah, it's a good question. So you might notice, guys, I've grown my hair out slightly since you met me at Nashville because too many people were saying I looked and sounded like Mark Simpson. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm not doing PR for that man. I'm not flying across the Atlantic just to do this PR for him. So I'm growing it out now. I might wear a hat the next one. Ultimately, the guest experience is, is the front and center of this thing, you know, because 99, you know, 0.9% of guests are good guests. So the ID step is optional, but you might want to think about doing it where you're you working with an OTA, where you're not working with an OTA, where there is an ID step. But if in, in the OTA example, the only bits of information we collect are the name, the phone number, the email, the date of birth, and the home address. So it's five questions. So it's very quick. There's very few clicks. But from that, we can do all of that background screening I mentioned, and we can check the IP address. That's triggered once the booking is confirmed on the OTA or the direct booking website. And a text message or an email, depending on the channel, will go out to the guest, which will tell them it's time to verify and pay their deposit or go through the deposit process if they're using the damage weight from deposit process. And then they click that. It redirects them to a, a white labeled dashboard, which has the property manager's logo on it. And that's where we ask those, th those key questions. And if you're, remember, Super Off very module, so modular. So you could just use this for screening, or you could use this for screening and damage waivers and deposits. And you could use this for financial protection, $5 million guarantee. But ultimately, you might just be using us to screen. And if you are, then it's just two screens and the guest does it instantly. And it's becoming more common now that they expect to have to do something like that, especially in Europe. So that can be very quick. So if you're a host who's particularly sensitive about your guest experience and you only want a part of what we do, you can keep that journey very small. If you indeed want to extend it, you can, though. you can include your rental agreement, which is quite useful when it comes to chargebacks. We can get them to electronically sign your rental agreement during that process. And then we can do things like the damage waiver. So, you know, you can collect $50. We can send you that money to put away in a bank account to, to, for a rainy day in case it's damages. So you can make it as long or as short as you want. But ultimately, we'll advise you based on your market, based on what type of damage and risk you're having, what to do. And I'll only really sort of really suggest people use IDs and selfie checks if they're having lots of chargebacks, because that's a really good mechanism to kind of prevent chargebacks. So, yes, you guys can do the selfie thing, too, and check it against the ID. Yeah. Yeah. But again, everything's, yeah, everything's cool. optional. Everything's optional yeah. in our journey. So. I, you know, depending on what type of risk you're dealing with, you can curate it. But I would certainly say for non-OTA bookings, an idea to selfie is sensible. I like it. I mean, when I when we did WealthCon last year, I stayed at a Sonder because I wanted to see, you know, they're a huge player. And I was like, how does that experience work? And they had that, the whole biometric thing where I had to take a picture with my face next to my license and it like did the identity match. And I was like, damn, that's pretty slick. And I, again, I, I haven't had a lot of this issues. The, the platform personally that I've had the most issues with was booking.com for this. Same. A lot of chargebacks. And it, I keep all the hotels on there, but I pulled all my STRs off there because I just got tired of dealing with the chargebacks. And it was just, it was just a pain in the ass. But 20% of my business for the hotels goes through booking.com. So it's like a necessary mm -hmm. evil, you know? But again, if you have a process like this, it's going to deter it so much, like mm -hmm. so much more. And, and I'm glad you said that because that's kind of leads me into my next question is 
we talk a lot about running well, boutique hotels, or at least we've been talking a lot about that now. What's been your experience in something like you guys being used by a hotel chain versus Airbnbs? Because I can see it on Airbnbs is a little bit thing, but if we have people like Mike, like myself, they're certainly operating more and more on the boutique hotel side. Are you seeing hotels in general also using more of this verification process or is that just part of their loss run as to how they run their business? It's coming into the hotel space massively, um, especially in the last sort of nine months. And I suspect that's because people who've had an SDR focus are increasingly, you know, rethinking the boutique hotel and the part. We, in Europe, we say there's a part hotel. I don't know if that's... Yes, we, we hate that. Like, I, 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 I hate that. Like, yeah, like, I don't understand uh, why you guys have... Like, you have so many beautiful words. And then <laughs> a part hotel is where you guys are like, yeah, this, this is fucking great. We're going to stick with this. And like, there is... We should no 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 apart hotels. This is, this is how we're gonna call yeah. them, and that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Call it call it call it what it is. It's a, it's an apartment or it's a hotel. And yeah, so I've noticed. Yeah, I've noticed people don't say that in the US. So it, one use case is if is if the hotel in question has been revamped, taken over, and they're trying to get rid of the check-in desk because they realise it's clunky, which is what so we do. If you, yeah, if you're getting rid of your check-in desk because you want to build a very cool food and beverage establishment in the ground floor. And everyone knows you, there's no such thing. Actually, you know, okay, you guys know much more about this than me, so maybe you'll disagree. But I don't, I've never been to a, a cool bar that's got a hotel check-in in the corner. It just doesn't exist. It just it instantly kind of makes the bar not cool. So we're seeing that trend. People going, well, why do we need this when we can do it all on an app? And we can give, we can then only release the door codes once they've been verified. So yes, it's coming in. And there's a few partners we work with that are specifically focused on hotels that we're, we've built our software into what they're doing. And that's getting us a bit more into that space too. So I'm seeing it. I'm definitely seeing it in, in what's coming in our funnel. But even if you are still interested in having a hotel re reception desk or you have a resort in the more traditional sense, it's still great to get ahead of those problems because you might be able to do late night check-ins where previously you would have had to have a night watchman, a porter, let them in. And that's not a really good experience in terms of they're not really checking the passport. So it's using technology in a smarter way to make things easier for you. And also surprisingly or unsurprisingly, the damage way the products are very popular in hotels because most people at the hotel side will have a hotel ins buildings insurance. The whole thing's taken care of already, but they quite like the idea of taking $25, no more than that really, $25 from each guest to say, look, if you break anything accidentally up to $250, we're not going to chase you for it. And everyone knows that in hotel rooms, you build them so that there's not loads of things that can be broken in, in the hotel room. So that 25 bucks suddenly becomes a really nice revenue generator for you to pay for any damages that might happen every 10th or 20th booking, however much, you, however much damage happens. And I can't emphasize enough how awesome that product is because essentially you receive the cash, you become yourself insuring and you make sure that you win more than you lose. So it, it, it's a new revenue line for your business. And, and hotels are interesting. Mm, I love that. E, where do you want to go from here, man? There's a couple different directions we can go, but I have so many questions. I'll let you. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let you lead us somewhere. Because... So let me lead with this because we have a wide listener base. Because there may be some folks that have their first property, right, that they're running, or they have one property. At what point does this make sense? Do you do this right from the beginning and integrate this into your business, or are there certain types of properties that this makes sense for? And I mean, I'm I'm teeing this up for you because I know what the answer is going to be. However, I'm, I want to specifically call out those newer folks that are like, yeah, that's cool, but I'll think about that when I have like 25 properties or I'm doing a yeah. hotel or whatever. 
Yeah, it's it, it's um, it's a great question. It's like I asked you to ask me that question, isn't it? Like it's like we huddled. We did, we did not, by the way, but I did, did. hear this up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we actually did. I've not seen these guys since a dance floor in Nashville. So, um, <laughs> the beautiful thing about investing in this sort of technology straight away is that it's going to make you more professional when you're pitching owners and um, landlords, and when you're getting your business together. You can also say to those landlords and owners and hosts, whatever model you're going with, management arbitrage, whatever it might be, look. Hey, don't worry about it. If anything happens up to $500, don't even worry about it. I've got, you know, I've got you covered. And that's instantly going to put people's mind at ease. So I would start from the word go. And the reason I start from the word go is that you mentioned uh, Sonder. Sonder is a huge company that, that have obviously invested in, in, in their own checking flow. If you work with us, you get an off-the-shelf checking flow built for you that you can white label and just put your logo on. So talk about building that professionalism from the word go. You know, you might have one or two properties or four or five, and that is a big segment of our new customers, people who are scaling, growing, they're learning all the education that's out here and they want, to build a, they want to build a sustainable business. But yeah, but your guest doesn't need to know that ABC Villas only has two villas. They're just seeing this professional logo and this professional journey, and it's going to help you scale and grow, create that extra revenue, but ultimately put your best foot forward and build that brand that you want to build, which is you, which is your own villa company, not, not a management company for an OTA. And the, the other thing that I was going to say is when I was getting started in this and I was trying to grow my co-hosting and management business, I didn't know anything about sales. I sucked at sales. I was a finance guy an operations guy. And what I found worked for me was eventually I just came up with this little one pager that, people understood that they could make more money with short-term rentals. Like that was an easy sell. What was challenging was like, they were terrified that their places were going to get destroyed. So when I laid out this little one pager of the, the Wi-Fi enabled locks that I could revoke access at any time, the security cameras, the noise monitoring systems, all these different things you add in, like, listen, we verify and screen every guest to like literally run like a mini background check on everybody. Most newer folks that are scaling right now are not doing that. And it's a massive opportunity for you to differentiate yourself and look way better to owners that might be a little on the fence about hiring somebody, especially if you only have a couple properties. It's like, well, why would they go with me? Well, because you've, you've invested in your systems and you've invested in the security of their properties to make sure that you're going to take better care of it than anybody else. So I would leverage the hell out of that in my marketing. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's exactly right. You're, you're saying, look, you know, I can't lean on 250 properties that I've already been working for 10 years, but actually... You know, professionalism has got nothing to do with size. And I, I really hate the distinction where people say, oh, you know, is it a professional property manager versus a, an amateur host? It's like, doesn't exist. Every host that does this well, is a professional host, whether you've got one or 500. And exactly what you've just said, not to, you know, just repeat what you said, because it was the exact right point, is you've invested in yourself. You've built, you've gone and built this system. You've created a risk management strategy. That's where you can show professionalism and you can go up against a bigger, a bigger guy because they might just be trying to draw revenue out of the business and not investing in it. And, you know, if you don't have a risk management strategy, you're basically saying something's going to go wrong at some point and I'm going to let it happen, which is fatalistic and not the right way to run a business. And, you know, it's a, it's a Warren Buffett quote to do with investing, but, it, but it's totally relevant here. It's like it's only when the tide goes out that you can tell he's been swimming naked. So, you know, what I, what I would do in, in any pitch I was doing for One Fire State was to say, we've gone full circle to talk about that again. But, you know, I, again, I talk about the fact that we do more to make sure that, that, that the guests are secure and that, and that we're looking after them in state. So, again, it's about putting your best foot forward and showing, 
capturing what you've done to make the whole experience safer. I've got two quick questions before we get into our, our final one. One, where did the name Superhog come from? I've wanted to ask you this for a while. Where did that name come from? <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, is the, the the software, the screening that's born out of God Hog insurance. So, you know, God and then God Hog. And the Hog is host, operator, guest. And then obviously mm. Superhog ensures that only fantastically super hosts, operators, and guests transact in the space. And that really is our mission, right? Connecting good, good people. That's a great name. Mm. Love that. I love that. Thanks. And where can folks learn more about you and Superhog and all the cool stuff that you guys have going on? Yeah. So we are on all of the social channels. So if you find us on Instagram, you'll find us on Know Your Guest and the Superhog website. So superhog.com or superhog um, or knowyourguest.superhog.com will also take you to us. And I'm all over Instagram as superhog underscore Leo. More of a lurker than a poster, but you will see me there. You will see me around. More of a liker than than, than than anything. And obviously, you can email me as well if you want to have a conversation directly at leo at superhot.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, appreciate you coming on here. And I want to acknowledge you. And again, thank you for all the support for STR Wealth Conference and for coming on here to support the listeners of uh, STR Secrets. And so the last question that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? I wouldn't say that I'm going to say anything unique or, or new here, but I think knowing the industry as I do, having been in it for 12 years, the thing that strikes me more than anything is there's no barriers to growth. So there's not the same traditional blocker in terms of you don't need to raise a ton of money to go out there and, and get a listing because there's lots of different ways you might get one. But if you're always on your game and you're always um, striving to, to grow your business, you can. And I think that the, girl, the guys and girls that I've seen, you know, the secret source of what makes them successful, it's not rocket science. It's, it's hard work and it's looking for new opportunities constantly. And the more you're interested in it, the more education that you, you take, the more conferences you go to, the more networking you do, the quicker and the faster you'll grow because there are very little barriers. There's, I would say there's, there's no barriers, especially... In the UK, we have a bit more regulation around it, but especially in the US, I think I think it, 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 there's a great opportunity to get quick, to get wealthy with it, but you just have to work hard because there's always going to be someone willing to work a bit harder. Mm. Love that. Cool. Love that. What a Back pleasure. to the basics, everybody. Yeah. What a pleasure, <laughs> Leo. It was, it was, for me, like the shows with the, the service providers are always like an interesting spot because I love the people and you have been such a fascinating guest with your past experience and just your you can tell you're super passionate about just what you do and that really really came through so really really glad to have you on thank you that and honestly yeah. it's, been, it's, it's been excellent um talking with you guys and it, it got me out of bath time and bedtime with the baby so i know i heard her heard him oh, or her her, her, her. her yeah her. you could tell yeah this scream was a her scream for sure yeah. <laughs> so we're here Once anytime anytime you want to want to get out of uh yeah i really appreciate anytime. it yeah. yeah, let's organize another conference in the U.S. next month or something. Yeah? Um, <laughs> thanks, gents. It was lovely to, lovely to meet you both. Awesome. Thanks. Likewise. All right, everybody. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao, guys.
Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.